Ladles and jelly spoons. Welcome to Truth, Love, and Peace. I think this is episode number 29. I am in a secret location with Miss Lindsay Vereen. Thank you so much for joining Thank me. Thank you. Uh, we'll fire up the Facebook Live and the YouTube, and we're going to turn this camera on us because that would just be weird if it wasn't. There you go. Let's look at how pretty we are. So, I know Lindsay as a comedian. Wow, I'm going to have to sit way back here so I don't have to stare at my forehead. <laughs> Goodness gracious. We, uh, this, this is a very serene, very calm, very white space. It isn't we, usually. We got, we got going on here. We got lucky. Woo, brightness. I'm used to dark bar rooms, Lindsay. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's kind of right. <laughs> So while we've got all this up and going, we're gonna get on Facebook and share it. Do you got? Do you have your Facebook? Um, do you want to share that so your friends can see it? And while we're doing that, sure. Let me go do that. I will get the plugs in. We are getting together on Sunday because on Sundays here in Mobile, our good friend Govna has mm -hmm. got it set up to where Mary Widow is doing a comic open mic at seven o'clock. And uh, so we wanted to get together before that, and that's that's why we're here now. So we'll get that plug out of the way. Also, if you are catching this live and you are in Pensacola and you're not sure what you're doing tonight, you need to get over to Shizuko's and go see Cliff Cash. Uh, he's on the bill with uh, Norm DePlume and a few other comics. Olivia Cersei, I know, has a lot to do with, with Shizuko's. I think Bryn Mac's on it, too. Bryn Mac's on it, too. Um, I can't think if there's anybody else on it, but I know Back Porch Comedy, and yeah, uh, that's the bulk of that. Yeah, but I got to see Cliff last time he was in town. He is hilarious. Have you is ever he? seen him? I don't think so. He no, I have not. Tons of fun. So, yeah, if you get a chance, uh, check out Cliff Cash. If you like comedy, do yourself a favor. Because uh, he'll have he'll have a special mm -hmm. soon, no doubt. He's amazing. Uh, so, just sharing this on Facebook. If you're catching this on the podcast and you want to find us on Facebook, it's um, uh, it's just my page, Compton Smith. Uh, you can like the page, no big deal. Where are your Facebook plugs? While we're getting all this promo stuff out of the way, I feel like these are the commercial <laughs> reads at the beginning of the podcast is we, we get everybody's plugs out of the way so you can find people yeah. and it kind of helps explain who you are too because right. not just a comic but um, catch it, us up it would be Lindsay Vereen on Facebook all my all my shit's public so there you go I'm not hiding anything you can just check me out there I have an Instagram yeah Lindsay Louvre L-I-N-Z-L-O-O-V I have got to get back into Instagram apparently it's alright it's alright it's alright I'm going to share this public <laughs> So I think that goes to my timeline. I hope it goes to my timeline. Uh, so Instagram is one of those things that I'm not real good at. Twitter, I suck real bad at Twitter. Are you in the Twitter sphere at all? Um, I got Twitter and I had it for about an hour. And I just was not, I just couldn't do it. I tried to get somebody's attention. Drake's to be specific. He didn't respond. I was like, nah, never mind. I'm over it. This whole thing sucks. Yeah. I just can't. I couldn't fully understand it either. It just Plus, I feel like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, I feel like that kind of fills any voids that I have of social interaction. I think that's enough. I think I've got it covered yeah. with all of those. So. Yeah. I run into that all the time now that I distribute this podcast in so many places. It's like, when's enough enough? 
Like, right. how many times do you need to resend this? Well, and the same people are following you on all of that stuff, too. So mm-hmm. it's like, how many times over mm-hmm. do they have to see what you're eating for lunch? Yeah, and if I'm tired of looking at it, I'm sure <laughs> they are. That's a lot of different places to post, too. It is. I've tried to work it out. I experiment with mine all the time just because I do so much stuff like this, and, mm-hmm. and it's fun. I like social media because it's an experiment like from the big picture perspective. Yeah. It's AI and us figuring out how to not kill each other at the same time in a lot of ways. It's scary. It's fun. <laughs> but it's fun stuff. And so I, uh, I, try, I try not to overdo it with people, but I try and link as many things as possible because I'm really lazy. Mm-hmm. So I want to do it once, and I want it to go everywhere. I, I just did that so bad that it went everywhere, and then it created this little mini loop mm-hmm. where Twitter was like, you're an asshole. Stop doing that. <laughs> they called me out on it. This, if you see, I don't know how how far, how good your eyeballs are, but uh, we may, if we have comments on here and we can read them fast enough. If not, we'll come back and catch them up, but I know you mentioned you had some friends that were wanting to tune in. So if uh, if anybody in home, in TV land, wants to play along, then feel free. We're, we're glad to have you. Uh, you said you've actually seen more of the episodes than I have of Truth, Love, and Peace, which is probably Pieces. a good thing. That's That's probably more than me. <laughs> I, uh, no, I enjoy going back and, and listening to them. Uh, do you have, were, the, were there any standout moments? Like, my favorite moment is, so far has to be being informed about Black Twitter by Ryan Adams. So, like, I didn't that see that. So that sounds like that's, uh, that sounds like that's pretty, yeah. sounds like that was a good moment. It was hysterical because I had no idea such things existed. I got an education. You didn't day. know that existed? No, I told you I don't know shit about Twitter. I don't know shit about well, Twitter, I so I'm Twitter, learning. I knew that black Twitter existed. No, nah, I, was, I was in the dark. No pun intended. I don't think any moments. I think I'm just biased to certain people and vibes. And so I've always, like, I enjoyed Carson's, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt Mosley, like we talked about earlier, he's just a hilarious guy. So I would have enjoyed talking to him if it were my thing going on. But I liked those a lot. I enjoyed those. I think the Blind Mule was a nice little setup for that, too. I think it, it, really, it really did kind of work. I like having the... I think you got it in there just at the right time, you know, like before it started getting rowdy. The suit of iron is just great background. Mm-hmm. I love that part. Yeah, the red. It feels very bed knobs and broomsticks to me every time mm-hmm. I walk in there. I want Angela Lansbury but, to be but somewhere. But in a creepy way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a very heavy metal kind of... <laughs> yeah. Weird, attic kind of way. Mm-hmm. But the blind mule is awesome. Mm-hmm. It is awesome. The The funniest thing, though, the way their AC unit's set up, if if you guys want me to break down a fourth wall for you, if you ever want to see me squirm, like get uncomfortable physically, it was when I was talking to Ryan. Nothing to do with Ryan. Ryan Adams? Yeah, it had nothing to do with Ryan. It had everything to do with I was sitting on the same boards that support the air conditioner, and so the air conditioner was oscillating and vibrating at this specific yeah. frequency, and it freaked me out like I've been waterboarded and I was not as upset after being waterboarded as I was after having to sit through that air conditioner for 30 minutes it was strange didn't used to be there either I mean before like uh back in the day we didn't have anything up there and in the summertime I mean after open mic you'd literally be like drenched (laughs) like you took your clothes out of the dryer too soon because you have sweat so much that evening I mean it was it almost feels like you're going insane a little bit because you just get like hotter as the evening goes on and you're drinking and you're trying to, and then you get angry and it was an experience. So speaking of back in the day, 
quantify it for us. How long have you been doing stand-up comedy? Well, two and a half years. So that's why I did back in the day, like in quotes. Oh, uh, like, I got you. I got you. That's close in, enough, though. You know, in my early days, but not okay. like back in the day. I'm a rookie anyway, so you can you can you can do that all day long. You're allowed. I'm so two years. Just the air conditioner is only two years old. A oh, that air old. conditioner is maybe like a year old. Woohoo! I got here just in time. You did. I knew I was holding out for a reason. <laughs> yeah, congratulations to you. <laughs> That's awesome, though. So, two and a half years mm-hmm. you've been doing it. Do you have you ventured out anywhere besides the Blind Mule and um, Pensacola? You said you've been to Pensacola. Of course, I've done uh, shows at the Handlebar. Where's that? Tell us about. It. It's in Pensacola, right? I've never been there though. It's by the interstate. Uh, ah, the in Pensacola that I got paid to show up at. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of like a hole in the wall kind of thing. I mean, Good. it's like, it's real shade. But I mean, it's a cool place. Um, I've performed there. Of course, I've performed at uh, Back Porch. Mm-hmm. I've never done any shows there. Um, there's been somewhere else in Pensacola, but I can't think of it right now. And then I've done, uh, I've been to Chattanooga, and then I went to Austin, Texas for a week, did several open mics there, and uh, ended up on like some little promotion video for an open mic they had. That was pretty cool. Cool. So I, I ventured out, not crazy, but I haven't hit Mississippi yet, which is something I'd like to do. I'd like to hit up Hattiesburg. What's Hattiesburg like? Do tell. Um... I'm not really sure. That's no, not how go. far away is Hattiesburg, Mississippi, from here? I think it's like two hours ish. That's it. Yeah, it's not that far. Man, and they do open. Toya Free goes there a lot. Really? She goes. Yeah. We need to pick her brain. And uh, mm-hmm. I saw because Bryn and Graham are doing that tour, the Fat Daddies up in Auburn. There's a, a young lady Never named I think it. her name's Lindsay's Lindsay too. Oh yeah. Uh, she came down and was at the Blind Mule one night, and she came over to Pensacola one night, if I recall. Um, Cool. But nice young lady, good comedian, and it looks like they've got things rolling up there in Auburn, Auburn too, at Fat Daddy. So that's another open mic that if if I can get to, yeah. I'm trying trying to get to as many as I can. I was mm-hmm. pondering my tight five on the way over here. Oh yeah, and how Your I tight can, five. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I I'm not barely good at this. Like for a rookie, I've been doing this for six months, so I've learned a lot, but I've still got a lot to learn because I don't. I'm have, still considered a baby. At two and a half years, so. It takes so long. It's it just, does. Well, you only get so, it's like Tony was saying, he didn't consider himself a comic forever because he just couldn't get enough time on a mic. And it takes so much time on a mm-hmm. mic to refine everything, for me anyway. I it just, does. You know. Well, the thing is, too, about comedy, you can't practice it really at home. I mean, you can to a degree, mm-hmm. but the best way to practice is on a stage in front of people with an audience. You can't do that at home. You can't really do that in the car. You know, you can only get that experience by going to an open mic. And depending right. on what your city has to offer, what surrounding cities have to offer, you can only get that practice in as much as you are willing and able to get out to open mics. So if you live in a city that has one a week and you're not able to really travel beyond your city, then you are only able to get practice in five minutes one time a week takes so much extra that's crazy to get out there yeah that and that's crazy. why it takes so long to get better a lot of times too do you have a, a routine do you have your favorite favorite mics favorite places to go work out um well i mean of course the blind mule is always going to be that's always going to have a special place in my heart but i love mm-hmm. the merry widow that's a great venue um, yeah and then austin texas was just an amazing place to go because it was like everywhere you went you were treated like you were like a real contributing 
amazing artist person of the world. They were like, are you signed up for open mic? Yeah. <laughs> you get free drinks because you're an artist and you're contributing. I mean, it was like the best feeling in the world. I mean, it was, awesome. it was really rewarding. And people, you know, a lot of times, sometimes in Mobile, like, People are there, but they don't even know that comedy is going on. Or comedy is more of an afterthought to people already at a bar. Mm-hmm. In Austin, it was like, they came here to see comedy. They are waiting to see you. They are paying attention. They, I mean, it was it was great. We need more of that. Yeah. We there really, are a lot of people really working on it, hungry. That's great, though. And and that's good to hear because, uh, like, Governor doing this one on mm-hmm. this at the Mary Widow... There's more and more shows being venue. added. Yeah, and the listening room. They've started mm-hmm. booking shows over the listening room. Uh, I just I, Every time I see a show pop up, it's like, oh, good. When I get good enough, that's one more place yep. I can get paid. For sure. That's one more place I can get paid. And there's uh, Satori right down the road now. That They've come back. They had an open mic for a while, then they went away, and now they've come back. What's the deal there? I know nothing about that. It's a little coffee shop. Um, I like coffee. A long time ago, it used to be like a music shop. Mm-hmm. Um it's a real cool place. It's an open, open mic. Mm-hmm. So it's comedy, music, poetry, whatever anybody wants to get up there to do. Mm-hmm. But it's a completely different crowd than the Blind Mule. So. Hey, that's good. It's always good when you can Fresh try audience. out completely different crowds and completely different people and see where. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome thing. For sure. I don't know how much of your material you want to talk about, but. The uh, the bit you have about uh, your mom. Which and one John now? Travolta. <laughs> you what now? And is it John Travolta? Or Vince Ma- Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fuck. Because I love that whole era and genre of movies. Mm-hmm. And so every time you do that bit, I think of movies I haven't thought of in forever that just come out of that whole thing. That whole bit is fucking classic. Well, thank you. But. I don't really have a have a question about that as much as I'm interested what your take on on comedy is like what's it looked like over the two years besides getting a new air conditioner at the blind <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. how's, how's how's it changed how's it been because that's that's what I'm in the beginning of embarking on now and so I, I'm always fascinated on what other people's experience has been um my experience was I was really spoiled in the beginning. I had a really yeah. great start. Yeah. Like I got laughs. I mean, I'm not really trying to brag, but I got laughs the very first time I got up there. I got booked really quickly within doing it and then continued to get booked for a while and then mm-hmm. was uh, getting out of state really quickly. And then it just sort of all seemed to come to a halt. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard for me to deal with because of the start that I had had. And I, w- I kind of had this false sense of reality that... It was always going to continue to go oh, up yeah. from there. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was really hard to deal with when things started to slow down. I think it just kind of got spoiled in my beginning. Mm-hmm. But uh, <clears throat> it seems like in Mobile, we were doing really great for a while. And now it seems like it's died down a little bit. And now we're trying to pick back up again. Because um, we had a lot of different things going on at different places. But we kind of lost them. Mobile is sort of... Uh, I love Mobile. But... Mm-hmm. A problem with Mobile seems to be like we have a lot of potential, but we don't really know how to use it. Mm. We have a lot of talent, but we don't know really how to, we don't really know how to market it. Oh my gosh! You know, we don't really know how to facilitate it and make it happen. But the longer I've done comedy, the more I've learned, and the more I've learned that there is more to learn. Always. <laughs> yeah, like 
I thought I knew a lot, but now I realize I really don't hardly know anything about comedy. But it's been a great experience. I mean, the people that you get to meet, the people that you get to have connections with, the kind of connections that you make with like to people all over the world, all over the nation. I mean, it's it's an amazing experience. The friends that, you know, the people at the Blind Mule, they all become kind of like your family that you mm-hmm. see every week, you know. That's very true. And when one of them's not there, yeah. you're like, everybody's where? like, where's, where's they at? where are they at? Where's so-and-so? It's very true. That Having a place to get together and having something to gather around is, is very cool. I've enjoyed learning how to, to write bits. I had a little bit of experience as a speaker beforehand, so the stage fright wasn't as big a deal for me as the learning yeah. how to be funny on demand. Mm-hmm. How'd that go for you? I was always kind of the class clown, so... Yeah. That's not that hard for me. What was difficult for me was learning how to just kind of control myself, like keep it toned down to a degree, um, being organized. I really struggle with organizing like my set and how to go and the flow of it and mm-hmm. making it all make sense and what order to put everything in. That's what I struggle with the most. Um, or also sometimes just being in my head too much to where I overthink it and then I'm not funny or I'm not myself enough because I'm overthinking it or I'm getting insecure. I can empathize with that one. I know exactly what that one feels like. It's like, I would, if I could just let go, you know, it'd be great. But sometimes you just, you can't let go or like on paid shows, I would, I would always get in my head too much about people actually paid to get in here. You know what I mean? This isn't an open mic where whatever people paid five bucks to get in here. And I would get in my head about that a lot. And then I end up not even doing as well on an actual show that, you know, I earned the right to be there, but then I wouldn't do as well as I would at an open mic. And I kind of struggled with that for a little while. Mm. And that really kind of hurts your ego too. Cause you're like, when the time is, when it's time to be good and then you're not, and you're like, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of the things that I, I knew enough about comedy since I've been a comedy fan most of my life that when I got into it, there was something about just experiencing it and not having to overwork it that I needed to just be involved in and be yeah. immersed in. I know enough about performing that I had that going in. And so uh, there have been a lot of times where just getting up there and seeing what happens and doing, conducting oh, yeah, the experiment sure. and then remembering it's just an experiment. It'll, like, it'll be okay. It'll be over. It's, it's not the end of the world. That's helped me a lot, just framing it as... Uh, as how to get, get out of my head because I had the same problem of getting out of my head and I still struggle with it. Is there any quick fix for you? Is there any go-to that, that you use to prevent that from happening? Because I'd love to know that trick. <laughs> to prevent it from happening? Or to turn it off? Um, a lot of times it turns off naturally once I get <coughs> up there or if I just kind of focus on somebody in the audience. Like yeah. somebody that's a good face to focus on that's really reacting. I'll keep coming back to them sort of for like, hey, you're still there, right? And that kind of like keeps me keeps me going. Um, but I think what's helped me a lot is also like I'll go up there and I'm like, I'll know what I want to talk about. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to look at any notes. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to get up there and talk like I'm talking to my friends. Mm-hmm. And just see how that goes. And when I've done that, I've written some of my best jokes by just letting go as well. So yeah. it can really it can really work out sometimes, but it can also yeah. really not. I think so. I um, 
I study a lot of philosophy, as, as you know, we've discussed a little bit, uh, mentioned at least. And so the, the phenomenon of being in a flow state, like being in the zone, mm-hmm. I love studying that. I don't know how much of you've looked into it, but it, it definitely exists in the comedy world, like just being in the zone and being able to toss stuff out the same way it exists in sports. Mm-hmm. And I used to love driving because you can get in that zone really easily. Yeah, or showering. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think of a lot Good of stuff hot in the shower. shower yeah. <laughs> or I go over my sets a lot in the shower. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you time it based on how much hot water you have left? Because that sounds like what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> like I know when the water starts dying off, but then I gotta start wrapping All it right, up. That's my life. That's my time. <laughs> I gotta go. How did that come about? Is you just got good acoustics in there, or just relaxing? Just, what is it about your shower that you love so much? I guess Wendy? I feel like I'm truly alone, finally. Oh. You know, when you have roommates and shit, too, it's like there's nobody that's going to be popping in here. I'm finally, truly alone. The bathroom walls are not going to judge me. Yet. That you Yet. know of. Right. Something, I don't know. That's, I do, I, I know exactly what you mean, because I can remember being a kid, and, uh, like, it, when I lived... At home in high school and had the whole family around. It was one of the only places. And like, no. The likelihood of someone barging in here is slim to none. It's mm-hmm. going to be okay. There's peace. There's peace in this house somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> For a moment. <laughs> oh, man. Do you do? Do you study a lot of philosophy? Or not study? Everybody thinks about philosophy. What do you philosophize about? When you sit um, around and ponder the big questions of the world. It's morbid, but I think about death a lot. Yeah? Yeah. Me too. I do a whole bit about death. You, you <laughs> probably heard it. What do, right. you, what do you think about when you think about death? How I'm just never going to understand it and how the kind of person I am that just really, really bothers me. <clears throat> the absolute um, randomness of it all. And, you know, I was very naive to death as, a, like, just a little while ago. But I still thought about it a lot, but in a very different way. Like... In a sort of romantic way and like what would people say about me when I'm gone kind of way. And now that I've like lost people, I think about it in a much more morbid way. Like how, uh, just how it, it just really, we're just not guaranteed any moment of time. Like you and I could be struck down in the next two minutes. This mm-hmm. podcast might be it for both of us. I mean, this could be. Could and be. just why we, I think about like why people are the way they are all the time. What makes us who we are and yeah. and how like what little tiny things can even be a part of that or like what direction you like twist tie the bread in or whatever and stuff like that. Like maybe that has to do with who you are. I think so too. My friend and I took it so far as to include uh, astrology. Like a lot of people want to dismiss astrology and then like stars don't have anything to do. And it's like, well, hang on the sun will will ruin you if you go lay lay out ass up uncovered all day long. (laughs) So the stars are just suns further away. How could we think that they don't have some kind of impact on what's going on around us? And even on that level, there is this this interaction, I think, that... I don't know, it fascinates the shit out of me. I love it. Well, they say know. we all have a connection to the moon and everything, too, especially yeah. women and, you know, the tides mm-hmm. and menstruation mm-hmm. and all of that. Like, it's all supposed to be connected. You know, you have seasonal defective disorder, right? Yeah, I think it's sad. Seasonal affect disorder. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I got that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that shit exists. But I think it all, it all is connected. I like to say that if you want to know anything, you have to know everything because it's all connected. And 
But yeah. you're not ever going to know everything, so... No, we got to try, though. Like, it's the pursuit. It's like there is no such thing as perfection, but it's the pursuit of perfection that uh, that's noble. The, the samurai's journey. That's, that's where all my reference comes from. See, I don't believe in perfection. You don't believe that... You don't believe in it as an ideal, or you don't believe in it as a... You can have it. I just don't believe that anything's perfect. I don't know. I just, I just don't know if anything perfect exists. I mean, I guess yeah. that's a matter of opinion as well. I mean, I guess you could say a flower is perfect, well, but... Okay, so we're, we're thinking about two different things. Like, if I asked you, describe a unicorn. Mm-hmm. How would you describe a unicorn? You know, cute and pretty and fun, I guess, and all that stuff. The important parts. Yeah, sure. The defining parts would be, without me saying them, you would come up with... Those what, things. What are the defining parts of a unicorn? Just say it for me, please. The horn. Thanks. <laughs> so in a way, there is this, this co-created. That's what I think perfection is. It's this, like Plato would call it the ideal forms. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna go get. You're not gonna go play with it, but it's out there for us to, to ponder. Yeah. That uh, I love that unicorn thing because I pulled that on somebody in an English class once upon a time as a freshman. They did not like me. <laughs> This is too funny. But unicorns aren't real. Yes, they are. Describe. Yeah, anyway. That's a whole other tangent. That's a whole other tangent altogether. So, from a philosophy standpoint, how does that tie back into into your comedy? That dark sense of humor. Is is it always there? Or is it something you're aware of? Um, I think comedy is a step away from that. I think, I think so. comedy gets me away from all of that because I can, especially I can, I can sort of sometimes become consumed by it. And I used to write poetry a lot, which I still do, but my poetry is really like dark and sad and depressing. And so comedy is the other spectrum. It's hmm. totally mm-hmm. getting myself away from that, mm-hmm. finding the funny things in life again, you know, not getting too consumed by those feelings and those dark places or whatever. So comedy is a way for me to get away from it and step out of it. It's so it's a release in a whole other different manner. How I get, do you have like tons of material? I imagine <clears throat> after doing it for two years, you've got a pretty nice. I have a lot of stuff. material. How, how much of it is really good, <laughs> you know, is a whole other story. I've got like pages of stuff that I haven't even tried yet. Yeah, me too. That's what I mean. Right. Like a yeah. backlog. Ton- oh, of yeah. Just, Tons I of thought stuff. of this, it might be funny. One one day, yeah. you know, you'll have the right moment to say it. Yeah. I was at the open mic at the Olive Drop last Thursday, mm-hmm. and I hadn't prepared anything. I, I didn't didn't know. So I was just like, fuck it. These are 15 pages in my notebook that have not been gone through yet. Some Y'all are going to listen to me well. read it. Yeah. <laughs> And I even got a couple of chuckles, but yeah, for sure, it was very amateur. <laughs> I felt very amateur, but I got something out of it. I, uh, All of those experiences are good. I think. I think just about any experience that's different in comedy is good because you're going to learn something from it. You're going to yeah. take something away from it. Who do you like in comedy? Like when you were, when you were starting out. Uh, Robin Williams is my idol. Yeah. I don't think I'm anything like him at all, but uh, he is my absolute idol. I think he's just hilarious and outside of himself and inside of himself at the same time. And he's so quick and animated and he's just fucking hilarious. 
and he seems really approachable. How'd that how'd that play into your life? Like I can remember what I was where I was age wise and mm-hmm. life wise when certain Robin Williams movies came out. Mrs. Doubtfire is my favorite one yeah. by far. And that's probably my favorite comedy by far. And I just remember um I remember watching that movie over and over and all the impressions that he would do <laughs> and just how funny that was and how fun it looked to do that. Yeah. And for your job to be something like entertaining people because I think yeah. in the movie too his job was he did voices for um, yep. like an animation yeah yeah he and his brother and then that all carried out that carried out all throughout the movie to where he's there's a scene where he's like talking to the social worker trying to prove that he's like looking for jobs and she's like what special skills do you have and he's like I do voices and she's like what and he's like granny I do voices <laughs> and then he goes into this whole spiel where he does all his different stuff and like a one minute take and I mean it's just brilliant and the very ending which cracks me up he goes I do a great impression of a hot dog <laughs> and that's all he does and he's like wearing this jacket that's red here so it kind of looks like buns <laughs> and it's just hilarious because it just catches you off guard <coughs> you, know what I mean? you, know, you wouldn't even expect that to be funny but it just comes at you and it's hilarious that's great uh, birdcage right that's that's a great movie should we just recite the whole thing? Like, where do you want to start? <laughs> Agatha. What's the Agathorn. And he's, uh, what's his name? Nathan Lane. Nathan he's Lane. great. He's hilarious. From producers. Yeah, yeah. that's, I was so, going to name that one next. That's a great movie. You do Madonna, Madonna, Martha Graham, Martha, the whole thing. All of it. Absolutely hysterical. Robin Williams is just so good. I miss that dude. Something for Hitler in Germany. What was it? Um... It's springtime for Hitler in yeah, Germany. Yeah. That whole scene. Was I right never right. saw that one. Oh, the, I saw this, the Within, scene in the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. But there's an actual play of that somewhere, isn't there? I, uh, maybe? Like, I think there's a, a funny... Ricky Gervais did something spoof on that. I, could, I don't know. My brain's not working properly in that regard. Press that button. The reason we have to press that button is because uh, the... One of the recordings likes to be updated. Anyway, I also loved Patch Adams. That's where I was going. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Patch Adams? That's a tearjerker, man. That's yeah, a, man. That was one of the ones I watched when he died, too. Mm. That was one of the ones I went to. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman was a special part of that movie, even though he was a bad guy. Like, I always liked Philip Seymour Hoffman. And so anytime those two were in the same realm. It was a really good look at mental mental illness I think and just the care of older people too because a lot of times people forget about older people they just mm-hmm. seem to not give a shit anymore and just let them fall by the wayside and mm-hmm. a lot of times all they really need is just someone to care or a little bit of stimulation or people to continue to treat them like they're alive Yeah, you know because a lot of times people get old and they get a little decrepit and they lose some of their abilities and people just treat them like they're just not even there anymore already mm-hmm. and that's pretty sad I think it is. It is. The, you know, grandparents just being taken and left in nursing homes and mm-hmm. not being part of the family. That's uh, that's terrifying. Also, I, I have Alzheimer's runs in, in my family. That's one of the things about that's old scary. age that terrifies me. It is for me, too. It doesn't yeah. matter my family, but that is scary, so I'm sorry to hear that. Mm, man, I can't. Do you, do you have nightmares about losing your memory? Not nightmares, like when I'm sleeping, but I just, I do have like day nightmares where I just think about, God, that would just be, 
awful. I can't even imagine most days mm-hmm. how terrifying it must be to my grand watching my grandfather go through it was it was eye opening. I'm it, sure it was eye opening. Uh, but I don't get too caught up in the mortal coil. I used to debate with my brother all the time, and I, uh, I'm very much on the reincarnation, where more than meat suits. Mm-hmm. My brother is in the camp of something like none of it really matters, and so we go back and forth in, in these two two battles all the time. Did you ha- have you, do you have that discussion often amongst other people or with yourself? I, with myself a lot. Yeah. Um, kind of go back and forth with Christianity because I was raised with all of that mm-hmm. and I but I and I would not necessarily sit here and call myself Christian but I will catch myself praying you know yeah. when I need to or um I think there's something bigger than us out there for sure there's there's got to be I mean mm-hmm. we we cannot be the end of it all I mean that's just how sad that's crazy. that be <laughs> right that, that's that's crazy to me um but is there like a big you know god up in the sky that like controls what happens to us and already knows what's gonna happen to us and I, is there a heaven and a hell I don't know about all that I don't know yeah I like Jean-Paul I Sartre. like the thought of reincarnation though I really like the thought that you could become something else and yeah. I mean isn't it supposed to be like if you were a bad person aren't you supposed to sort of become something like the idea of karmic debt right and that, that, I kind of yeah. like the idea of that although I don't know why because <laughs> it might come back to bite me in the ass you know the version of karma that I like lately that is one interpretation uh, that, that karma has to do with you reincarnating and you can reincarnate up and down that that's not uh, probably not the best not that's not the one you'll get from the gurus and the people mm-hmm. who, who teach it a lot uh, from my understanding, which is limited. Um, but the version of karma that I really enjoy, the interpretation that I like, is that uh, karmic energy is this thing that we always carry around with us. And, and if we choose to carry around this incestuous, you know, septic, toxic stuff, mm-hmm. then it's not that we have put this out into the world and it comes back to us, but that we carry it with us. And then when something in the world comes back around to us and agitates us in just the right way, then that ruptures, and that's this car, this karmic negativity. Uh, so it's instead of it going away from us, it's, it's something that we're always a bomb. part of us. It can be, yeah. And it's one of the reasons that things like uh, meditative practices or um, you know. However you want to look at it, multiple different types of therapy, you know, yoga, um, just psychotherapy or or psychology, talking to somebody, all of those forms can help reduce that, which is one of the Mm -hmm. reasons that I like the model that it's something that's that's ours and we carry it around with us as opposed to it being out there. Because if it's in me, I can do something about it. You can control it, it. yeah. (laughs) You can do something about it, for sure. I I like uh, even the illusion of a little bit of control makes me happy. (laughs) Uh, Especially these days. So far gone. Do you um, do you get into any of the meditative practices or anything like that? Or better yet, scratch that. Let's go back. I have an interesting history with religion and uh, Christianity, and I was raised Episcopalian. So I would love to hear a little more about what you um, elaborate on. We're raised Christian, and and how that affects you now. Like, and I'll give you my version of God is just the parts of physics and the universe that we haven't explained yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with there's more than us, but I'm a little less inclined to think that it's a deity. I think it's something that's accessible 
on some level. And that's kind of my framework for how truth, love, and peace became my ideal mm -hmm. belief system. Just because I don't want you to feel like you're put on the spot about religion. <laughs> so I want to give you a big safety net. In case you want to dump it back to me, you can. <laughs> um, well. But I'm curious. I'm curious in what people believe. Well, like I said, I was raised, you know, to believe in God is up there, the devil's down there. But I do think there is something bigger than us. I do think that we kind of set things into motion. We can control our surroundings. We can put things out into the earth. I do believe in karma. Um, I don't really think that there's like a heaven and a hell. But I do feel like when you die, that there's got to be... It can't just be, I don't think you just die. Yeah. I, I do believe in spirits. Like, I feel like I have spoken to spirits. That may sound crazy. I do no. feel like your spirit hangs out. Um, I've done mushrooms. I can come up with a way crazy <laughs> than that. Um, so, I mean, I don't think when you die, like, you just go at all. Yeah. Um, but I think, like I said, for me, the it plays mostly into part when I just, something to lean into when you don't feel like you can lean on anything else. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's, sometimes it can even be a crutch. Um, it can be a false sense of perception. Yeah. Um, a false sense of strength, but also sometimes when you need it, it can really be a source of strength, a source of, uh, trying to find happiness again. But sometimes what I find frustrating is when people try to comfort you and they'll comfort you in ways that are like, like say a family member is dying and they'll say, well, they're going to a better place. Somebody who's like not Christian, somebody who mm -hmm. doesn't really believe in heaven and hell, that is in no way, shape, form, or fashion comforting to that person. Right. You just said nothing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like, okay, fuck you. It's basically what my response would be. Um, or, or somebody would describe it as like, I had someone once describe it to me. If you were watching a loved one die, it's not the end, it's the beginning. Because it's the beginning of their eternal life with God. And I just kind of want to vomit when I hear that. No offense to anyone out there who believes that, um, but to me, that's that's not comforting. Yeah. You know, that doesn't take the pain away from that situation. That That's just bullshit in my eyes. But again, like, I love the idea of there, I love there being a moral compass out there, like the Ten mm -hmm. Commandments. I can respect that. I mean, don't murder, don't steal, don't kill. All of that is important mm -hmm. and should be enforced. And I guess the, I think the praying thing is the biggest part that it comes into a factor for me. Like, I just catch myself doing it no matter what. Even yeah. late at night, like alone, praying to something somewhere yeah, my version of that is... So maybe uh, being heard, in a way? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, my version of that is uh, doing own, doing my own chants uh, and different different mantras. Um, not, I don't know a lot of them, but it, it helps. Just generating that sound, that vibration, makes me feel better, mm -hmm. uh, which comes in handy. I am fascinated by religion from a history standpoint, too. Like... I'm okay with the Ten Commandments. I just don't understand why we don't include the other 30 that came in the original package. Yeah. You know, like all the other good versions of history out there that have gone by the wayside that have mm -hmm. just as much to contribute. I, I would love to, uh, to see more of that. Um, and my biggest thing with the, the deity part, with the God part, is when it's used to 
absolve ourselves of some sort of responsibility. Right. I don't, yeah, exactly. I agree with you on that when it's, it's taken too far or when people capitalize on their faith to be discriminatory and be hateful, you know, that's obviously that's not cool at all. It's like in the name of Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm going to beat the shit out of this homeless person or this, this gay person. I mean, that's just, so all, so you, you know, all of that taints all of that for a lot of people. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand too, is that that kind of stuff has turned a lot of people away from it. Yeah. Fundamentalist extremists. Well, I'm a big fan of Sam Harris and uh, a couple other uh, atheist philosophers, and, and they talk about the the ability to construct a moral code uh, out of outside of a belief system. You know, outside. Right, of like you religion. don't have to be Christian to have morals. Right, right. Simple, you know, which are simple ideas. There, there seems to be a lot of contention for that, though. I don't, which I don't understand, but. I don't either. Like, we can't be good people on our own, you know? Like, we yeah. can't. <laughs> it's like, are, do, do, we can't be loving good people Well, the, the without necessarily believing in yeah. a higher being. I mean, How does that... that is a little ridiculous. And doesn't sound very Christian to me. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. I think it makes just as much sense to say that um, anybody can come up with the concept of do unto others. You know, right. I, I think that's where it starts. I think that's how even animals, you know, even whales will come and save dolphins <laughs> or seals, you know, that are ultra altruistic because mm-hmm. uh, on every level there, we know what fear is. And so just this slight ability to empathize makes us not want to go be assholes, except for when we're starving to death. When animals are starving to death, <laughs> they will, they will eat a monkey butthole first while it's screams. <laughs> And there, well, there's always that joke too, like you don't know a person until like they're really hungry around you or something, and that hangry thing. Yeah, hangry dude. Hangry is a real thing. Oh man, my hanger is ugly. You think so? Oh yeah, I look like fucking one of those hobbits that didn't have a ring. <laughs> I forget which one it was. It would have been Bilbo before anybody freaks out on me on not being up on my Tolkien. Uh, it would have been Bilbo in the and yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm not that up on the Lord of the Rings. Are you, are you into any of that stuff? Do you, Or do you have a favorite amongst any of that I stuff? I fucking love Lord of the Rings. Yeah? Love it to death. But I would, I probably a lot of people would be really mad at me because I can't just like name off names and everything. Yeah. But I do absolutely love it. I have the little mini Lego figures of nice. almost all of them. They're pretty cool. They're right over there. They're right over there. Sweet. My favorite... My favorite. There uh, you go. Oh hell yeah! There you go. Two rings. Let's see, you can hold them up there, so everybody can see them. Up here. Uh huh. See, look, there you go, Bilbo. He's holding a ring and he's got a ring on the table. Yeah, it's good stuff. Did you ever see the uh, the old cartoon? I did, but I don't, I can't remember anything about it, so I can't sit here and have like a serious discussion. Oh man, that was my first exposure to Tolkien. Was oh, yeah? the the Hobbit? Yeah, yeah, the original Hobbit cartoon. Simon and Garfunkel did the That's album. That's fucking awesome. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. It was one of, like only to be trumped <clears throat> by and listen to this segue into a shameless plug. Uh, Peter and the Wolf. Which is a different Disney reference, which brings us back to Norm De Plume mm-hmm. over at Shizuko's tonight, mm-hmm. and with Cliff Cash and Bryn Max. He's really so funny. If you're over there, go go check them out because 
he can tell you way better jokes about Disney movies than I can. But Peter and the Wolf is just fucking hilarious, which got me somehow to... I don't even remember where I was. What was I talking about? I don't know. Me neither. I never do. <laughs> me neither. I'm glad we're on the same page. I get lost on these tangents all the time. Disney movies and Peter and the Wolf. Old school. Old school music. I'm trying to remember how that played in to Disney. It was really funny. It's right there. We could rewind the tape. But um, at the Merry Widow tonight with Governor, have, the first time I was there, I laid into this poor girl. Like, I've never been so upset that someone just incessantly talked through something. Yeah. Yeah. I laid into her and then made her the punchline of the joke. Which was? I felt a little guilty. Did she seem upset? Did she seem like her feelings were hurt? I don't think so, because she just kept talking. I think I upset the. I think I upset the guys who wanted to sleep with her more than I upset her. Oh well, fuck that. <laughs> it's their problem. They can overcome it. And if they can't overcome it, that's their problem again. Fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them. But I mean, it is obnoxious. It seems like too a lot of times the people who want to talk a lot they sit up right up front. So I'm not really sure what that's about. They'll sit right up front, and they will just blatantly talk through your entire set. I think it's an attention thing. Like, I, these people want attention. Sometimes, for sure, yeah. They, they, they can't stand that they're not getting it. Yeah. They're like, oh, I want to do that. I'm like, no, you can't do that. And if you do want to do that, then, <coughs> then shut the fuck up and get up here and do it. Sign up, bitch. Yeah, exactly. I'm pulling up this, uh, this Facebook to, uh, to see if there are any comments that we should address. Anybody that we want to talk to. It's like there are a couple of comments there. Thank you to all of you that have tuned in so far. And thanks to those of you watching right now. Let's see. Uh, Sunny Rose Klein, Heather Jackson. Those are. Do you know who Sunny Rose is? Yeah. There you go. Say hey to all those people. Hey, you know Sunny. Hey, folks. Heather. What's up? Yeah. Those are my <laughs> girls. Those are my ladies. Hell yeah. Thanks for hanging out, ladies. Shout out to my ladies. Yeah, we appreciate y'all sharing it, watching it, all that good stuff. Um, if there's any anything you want us to to mention or or laugh about that we haven't, uh, tell us now. <laughs> Speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh, so, going back to the big overarching, I like I said, came up with this whole truth, love, and peace thing is kind of it's my version of. A, a belief system, ideals. It has to do with all my communication background. But, um, it's fun. It's fun and I like philosophizing yeah. about it and I like simplifying it and, and I'm trying to frame that into a question that would be fun for you to, uh, <laughs> to, to answer with enough carte blanche. What I'm trying to do is set you up <laughs> to talk about what, um, what you want to talk about. Like, is there anything that, that's important to you that I don't know to bring up? Mm. Well, I don't know. When you put me on the spot like that. Another way. Another way to not put you on the spot would be to... to when you're not doing comedy, is there anything that you... Um, that you like doing? I guess another way to frame it is, who are you when you're cleaning your kitchen naked at 2 a.m.? <laughs> Like, isn't that when we're the most honest with ourselves? Yeah, I guess so. I clean naked a lot, actually. Don't ask how I knew that. 
You didn't know that. Did you know that? <laughs> or did you assume that? Hmm. Um, I think, I think at my soul, like I'm a poet, mm. like even before a comedian, I think at my absolute core, I'm a poet, you know, I'm kind of a, a very insightful and dark, <laughs> you know, kind of spiral out a lot. Um, does this come out of the hopeless romantic thing that oh, you yeah. were talking about earlier? Yes. Uh, so the, the ever, ever the realist optimist kind of thing? Something like that. The idealist. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that's, that's, I think that's, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm on my way kind of person. Uh, and what color are those sunsets? <laughs> Mine are purple. Mine are purple. I like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, hell yeah. Purple, blue, green. There you go. Yeah. Per fucking Rex, the color of royalty. I like that. My friend was telling me that the, the reason that purple is the color of royalty is because uh, before the solar system was interrupted, that was the color of the natural sunsets. And so the kings and queens claimed it as their own. Mm -hmm. It was like, right. Humanity survived mm -hmm. Nibiru, which was Tiamat at the time, bouncing through the solar system and the sunsets changed color. It's bullshit. Mm -hmm. They came up with purple way before that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like conspiracy theory stuff like that? Like ancient aliens and stuff? I fucking hate the alien shit, man. Why? I just hate it. Tell me because about it. Because people just go to it all the time. Like, well, tell any, me about it. Why do you hate it? Anything that somebody can't explain, it, well, it was alien. Well, Come then you'll on like, with it. You'll like my version of the Come alien. Come on with that shit. You'll uh, like my version of the alien thing, then. Well, okay, what is it? We don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. My version of the alien thing is like straight up astronaut cowboy intergalactic refugee rebels that showed up and were like hey look we can get these dumb monkeys to do tricks watch this and then they manipulated some people and they took off but not like helped us evolve just took yeah. advantage of us because we were just dumb monkeys to them i just don't think that's that my version they're of that interested in us and if they were they would they would have already done whatever the hell it is they'd want to do with us yeah i mean what i mean what, what would they be waiting on if they were going to do some stuff with with us to us whatever well most of most of the <clears throat> stories that have any real credence i think go back to if there was ever any alien interference in my mind in human history it would have been back when these supposed aliens were here the anunnaki as the story goes and they had humans mining gold for them like Okay, I can kind of buy that because they're not coming back and they're done and they're gone. So if they're going to do anything, they, like, they made some modern monkeys. Wasn't there um, ah. the last Indiana Jones movie, right? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Yeah. <laughs> like, see, that's what ruined the Indiana Jones movies is they fucking tried to bring aliens into it. Because they had the aliens. Like, and it's just like Indiana Jones does not care about fucking aliens. He's an archaeologist. What the fuck? That movie was so bad. I love the alien stuff. It's fun and it's fascinating. I don't think it's necessary. I, I think... do think there's other life forms. I mean, for the record. Sure, I, sure. We're definitely not the only living beings mm -hmm. on the only planet. You know, I mean, that's... Duh. But but the whole, you know, the one-eyed alien ET phone home, you know, kind of bullshit. Like, I just can't... I just can't get on board with that. I think the, the story of the Anunnaki and these people that came from the sky is actually... Uh, just a telling this oral tradition that's talking about a group of people that came from the north uh, to the to the south in, <laughs> in Middle Europe. But because they lived up on these massive ice sheets that were miles high, totally the story became, oh, they mm -hmm. came from the sky. 
but they um, and there's a lot of evidence for for these cultures that existed in uh, in northern Europe and a long time ago the Swedarians is the name the popular name that they're going by now and that they came down and influenced the building of Gobekli Tepe mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all no no oh. oh man well we'll talk history some other time then I am fascinated by supernatural conspiracy theories a lot more like, yeah do tell and what unexplained like? deaths and like um like the woman I think her name was Mary who literally self-combusted oh yeah I remember hearing about that and what caused that? And it was in New York a while back. Like yeah, and all the decades di- ago. All the different theories, you know, that play into what would cause somebody to do that, and or yeah. disappearing, or um, what's the one? I think they were Swedish, and they went camping, and like all that was found was like their their shoes or whatever, the- and and blood and like a trail, but they had just disappeared, like mm, all I've, kinds of stuff like that. I've heard of a couple of those. There's one uh, that. I don't know if we're talking about the same one in Russia where these there was this expedition team, these college students with a professor that went out. Maybe that's the one that they yeah, cut their way out of their own tents. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the one I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. Those were aliens. But see, <laughs> see I've watched the one about what happened to Amelia Earhart and somebody yeah. would always go to aliens. Like it seems nah. like all of these conspiracy theories, and then it'll always aliens will like always be one of them for every single situation. That to me is really annoying. Well, okay, instead of the aliens for the the one in Siberia, like that's some really strange stuff. There are no prints, no prints in and out. Uh, just the evidence stacks up real weird. Now, granted, they got there days after the fact, but what what do you think about possibilities for that one? Man, I couldn't tell you. I no. really, I just, I don't think I have the brain capacity to be able well, to tell you. What do you think of the stories that the indigenous people tell out there about the lights that hurt people? And I do. I think they. I think they definitely saw something. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't think people. Well, I don't know. I don't think all of those people just made that shit up. Right, you know, right. I think they definitely saw some things, and I, th- I believe in mind over matter, a lot. Mm. So I I think your mind you stare who goes goats kind of thing, like well, yeah. Ultra? I mean I think I really think that you can convince yourself of a lot of things. I think sure. you can make yourself feel a lot of things. I think I think you can believe something enough to to make it true within your own reality for sure. Yeah. I mean you can have your reality is completely different than somebody else's. And yeah. You Especially can when memories involved. Right. I mean, and you can make it so one way or the other. So I don't. I don't discount entirely anything that happened to those people or their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and they're very spiritual people, so I don't necessarily want to discount that either. You know, as a mm-hmm. as somebody who is not nearly as spiritual as that, because that could be something that I have not had the ability to tap into. Mm-hmm. Could it be aliens? <laughs> I don't think it's fucking aliens. No, I don't. I believe you. <laughs> I believe you. Oh, man. That would be neat if we had... uh... But then that gets into interdimensional stuff. Like, have you heard the theories about Bigfoot... Being able to, to move interdimensionally. I, I think don't see why Bigfoot couldn't exist. I don't, I don't see why I'm okay with Bigfoot existing. I'm not okay with him being an alien. <laughs> like, he's not. Teleport. Why would he be an alien? I mean, he looks so much like just... I know. He could just be a hairy-ass fucking man. 
just creeping around trying to mind his bit like because okay all the sightings of him right are him just like walking by he's never fucking with anybody how many men do you think can keep themselves (laughs) out of fuck all trouble long enough to not get caught for decades centuries I don't think so like I can't he's not he's not maybe Neanderthals Neanderthals (laughs) were smarter than us at one point in time they had bigger brains there's a guy named Lloyd Pye that has all kinds of theories about the different possibilities of what those those primates were. Even Jane Goodall said, we know that these giant orangutans existed and these giant chimpanzees mm-hmm. existed. So I, uh, I would agree. There's definitely something there. And we know 30,000 years ago in Siberia, what they thought was a yeti was actually what a... a Australopithecus, like these giant chimpanzees, eight-foot-tall orangutans. Right. Like, holy shit! Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? What's your favorite uh, cryptozoological creature? Who do you, which one do you like studying the most, or listening to stories about? Uh, do I have to pick one? No, nah, you can go with a handful. I'm I'm okay either way. Are there any that you preferred? Like, which ones do you listen to on repeat? That's I guess that's a good way to put it. I don't think I, I mean, I don't know. Or let's, let's just go with this question. Hang on. We're going to set this up properly. What do you like to binge watch? In general? Yeah. What's the last thing you binge watched? <laughs> Fucking hometown. <laughs> <laughs> That's a podcast On about HGTV. Northern Alabama, right? No, no, it's, no. Uh, it's, um. What is hometown? Uh, this country couple living in like this tiny town in Mississippi and they're redoing homes for these people who are like moving back home from a really big city, which I don't really understand. But they're like coming back to Laurel, Mississippi to live out their lives and they're making these shitty homes, their dream homes for them. And also Will and Grace. Oh, Will and Grace, yeah. So That's those two a, things. The, now that the new Will and Grace? No, I started from the, the beginning. Where is that? Because I would love to go and watch those. It's on Hulu? That's awesome. What is I can't remember <clears throat> Nick Offerman's wife's name. Megan uh, Mullally. Yes, Megan Mullally. Her character is absolutely hysterical. My, which is always my favorite part. Of that. Sometimes she's a little too annoying for me. Yeah, that's why I like her. It reminds me of me. You think you're annoying? Eh, I have have the ability. <laughs> have the ability. Who do you like on that show? On Will and Grace. Yeah, do you have a favorite, or is it episode by episode? I couldn't hang out. Well, no, I take that back. I could hang out with him. Sometimes he's annoying, but Jack, the overall character, he's just hilarious, and physically he's a great actor. I mean, Fun, he's just, yeah. his his uh, his responses are just really, he's just a hilarious, funny character, and he seems like he would be a lot of fun to kind of do some things with. Like, he goes, uh, Karen, he's always like, take me to lunch. He's just so sassy, and he's just so, he gets whatever he wants, and... The way he's able to live his life, he's always able to have somebody paying for his shit somewhere, right? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, the lifestyle. Right. Man. And he's very openly himself, which for the 90s, you know what I mean? Was breakthrough. Yeah, he was definitely one of the first... um, I don't know if... I wouldn't call it flamboyantly homosexual but uh, he was I don't know he was definitely a first Ellen was the very first yeah right yeah so he wasn't too far behind that I think it was still pretty revolutionary for a show to be centered around you know 
look, one of the main characters is a homosexual. Like, that was yeah, kind yeah. of a big deal. It was a huge deal. But when did it come out? In the mid-90s? I think it was the mid-90s. Because I want to say... I'm not sure how many seasons there were of it. I caught more of it in replay. I wasn't there. It was kind of around the same times as Friends and Frasier. So, when yeah. all that was going on. I caught a ton of Frasier in replay, man. I love I love Frasier. I've already binge-watched that like five times. Yeah? I mean, I love that show <laughs> so much. It's good. There is some good educational stuff in there, too. I yeah, I, I appreciate humor sometimes where it's like you kind of have to be educated on a certain subject to a degree to understand it. Like mm. They have a lot of opera humor. Yeah. They have a lot of uh, musical humor. He and his uh, his brother, Niles. <clears throat> I, would, I love Niles. I just want to say right now, I would marry Niles in a second. You would marry Niles in a second. The, all of, all of, even the, like, the wiping of down of the chairs, I would put up with all of it. He's such a smart, sweet guy. Yeah? Yeah! I don't know. He seems really... He's so smart and fun, but he's not as snooty as Frasier. Like, he has his asshole-ish ways, but Frasier legitimately thinks he's better than people. Mm -hmm. I don't think Niles feels that way. I think he acts that way a lot, but I don't think deep down he feels that way. I've, I've thought about this a lot. I can tell. I've analyzed the two of them against each other a lot. What was... <clears throat> Niles's wife's name. Lilith was Fraser's wife, which has um, all kind of great Maris, biblical reference. And they never Maris. show her. That's right. So they did this brilliant thing in the <coughs> script where they can describe her however they want because they're never going to show her to you. Yeah. So they could have all Maris. these really cryptic ways of describing her yeah. and stuff. It was pretty cool. I don't know where that name comes from, but I'm going to have to go either. look it up now because Anne Rice uses that name. Oh, yeah? In, uh, in one of the Vampire Chronicles. For one of her characters. Well, and you know Lilith being the first. Oh, yeah. Just biblical references out the ass. Yeah. I love getting in. It's one of the reasons I love rhetoric is because I love delving into stuff, analyzing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so these writers that can write on multiple levels like that and write these characters in this oh, yeah. Joseph Campbell-esque way. Like, fuck you, people. I can't even put together a type five. <laughs> I've, talked a lot. I've talked to a lot of my friends about Frasier, actually. And I think my favorite episodes are when the two brothers are, are going back and forth the most. Yeah. Because in the later seasons, they've kind of focused more on Niles with Daphne and their new relationship. But the earlier seasons are a lot when, uh, when Niles and Frasier are at each other's throats and they're kind of competing. Mm. I think those are the best episodes. Because their banter back and forth is just, their insults with each other are just great. I wish I could remember something right now. Oh, yeah. I wish I could, too. Unfortunately, it is 7.17, and we need to peace out of here. So sure. I think Frasier was a good note to end on. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is a good note to end on. So, come here. Yeah. Please come back and do this again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Truth, love, and peace. And uh, let's turn this off. Is there anything you want to plug before I turn turn off the Facebook? Of course, truthloveandpeace.com, The Blind Mule on Wednesday Open nights. Open like Wednesdays, yeah. That's all, really. Like Wednesdays, Back Porch Comedy over in Pensacola. For sure. And uh, we love y'all. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Hasta la chao Facebook. Hasta la chao YouTubes. And... For all y'all on the podcast, again, ladles and jelly spoons. Until next time, truth, love, and peace.